Hello, everyone. Thanks for giving your time today. I'm Ian Hamilton, New York, joined by David Heaney from London, broadcasting this episode of VR Download today. This is week five of 2024, and I'm wearing a Quest 3. We're live on YouTube and on replay across every podcast platform. You can support our work directly with membership on UploadVR.com. I realized I needed to do this in the intro because I usually say that I'm wearing a Quest Pro with face and eye tracking, but we sometimes have new viewers who don't understand what they're seeing right now. Right now we're using simulated face and eye tracking, but sometimes we have real face and eye tracking, and that's what animates my avatar for those of us who are watching us on video. David, what do we have today? Yeah, so the main focus of our discussion today will obviously be the fact that the mainstream media reviews for Apple Vision Pro have just dropped today. You can see a roundup on UploadVR.com right now of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we've also compiled their conclusions if you don't have time to read through all of those reviews. But before that, we'll quickly be talking about a few other topics. So we'll start by talking about Immersed's announcement for Visor, where they have now changed it to a down payment plus subscription pricing model for new orders. And we'll talk about the controversy behind that headset. We will then talk about two upcoming features for Quest, one of which is directly confirmed by Meta, the other of which is listed in the code of the iPhone app. We'll then talk about Quest 3 Lite, the rumored next headset from Meta that will replace Quest 2 and its lineup. We'll first talk about the report that Meta may no longer be partnering with Tencent to bring that headset to China. And we'll also talk about why we suspect that Quest 3 Lite will support color pass-through mixed reality. We'll then touch on an editorial I wrote this week uh, titled, Will Meta Be the Android of Spatial Computing or the Blackberry? And that was based off a Wall Street Journal report where Meta sees itself as becoming the Android of this market and isn't worried by Apple because it sees itself as having that second place or you know maybe first place in its eyes and then of course once we get those topics out of the way we'll talk about those vision pro first reviews from the likes of cnet the verge the wall street journal and cnbc i'm seeing in our comments some of our questions let's bring people up to speed who weren't uh, aware of our sort of catch up here upload vr has purchased an apple vision pro it will be uh in our clutches come this weekend and then we are planning to fly back to england with david heaney for a full independent analysis by him from him testing it over an extended period over there in comparison to all the other vr headsets you've tested i'm just going to tease out here we might have a guest later in the show uh we we it was a last minute thing so it might not happen i'm a little concerned it might not happen because of the last minute nature of it but I will be watching out the corner of my phone to see if we could get that guest in here at a, uh, about the hour and a half mark of the show. So we'll see if we get there. But uh, yes, a very big day to see these reviews out there. I think we want to get through these this other news here. We notice our audience tends to build over the course of one of our shows so that uh, basically in the second hour, we sometimes have uh, a couple hundreds of people watching us all at once. And I think that's going to be the case today as we build into the Apple Vision Pro news. And we just wanted to make sure our audience out there knew that we were going to get a headset to David Heaney as soon as we possibly could. 
Yeah, and in the meantime, uh, if you go to uploadvr.com and see our review roundup, you'll see we've also linked to the two times that Ian has gone hands-on with Vision Pro, both at WWDC back in June and a few weeks ago. So there are those two hands-on impressions from us. And as Ian mentioned, he will be receiving the Vision Pro on Friday. Kyle and I will join him on Saturday, and then I will fly the headset back to the UK for a technical review. But let's get straight into the news. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Immersed Visor. This is a very controversial headset. There are people that are very excited for it, and there are people that think it's a downright scam. So there are a wide range of opinions on this thing. But their announcement this week is that instead of only requiring you to buy the product outright currently for $950, but increasing to $1,050 in late February. They're offering a new model where you can pay $400 down payment and then a subscription of either $60 a month for a year or $40 a month for two years. And that subscription also offers some extra software features and priority support and uh, things like a, a trade-in guarantee that when they release a new model, you'll be able to trade in the current one. So they're clearly looking to make back their profit here in uh, subscription fees rather than just a hardware margin. And that's something that they were actually clear about when they did announce the product, because this thing is supposed to have, you know, 4K OLED micro displays and eye tracking and hand tracking and color pass through and, you know, a standalone XR2 plus Gen 2 chip. So it's, it's clear that they want to, uh, in the most, you know, charitable reading of this, sell the device at cost and make money back in a subscription service. So a very interesting one. Um, to be clear, there was some confusion about whether this replaces the ability to buy it outright. You know, I directly talked to the founder here and he told me that they will still allow you to buy it outright for $10,050 when this subscription uh, ability comes in. He also told me that next quarter, quarter two of 2024, they will be able to give the first hands-on demos to the likes of us. So we expect to get a hands-on demo with this device and tell you all about whether it is real and amazing or just a scam in the next quarter of this year. Yeah, I don't know if uh, David was reading the comments as he was getting there, but that is the, the he's responding there to a lot of what I'm seeing in our comments and questions, I would imagine from our listeners of just how real is this? How, how legitimate is this? And you know, they put up this uh, chart comparing what they're offering to Apple Vision Pro, and it set all of my uh, alarm bells off in a way that, uh, you know, I've we've been suspicious for a while of, of, of Immersed and Visor. It, as all of our commenters know, we want to go eyes in, and uh, until we go, go eyes in, we are going to be very, very suspicious of what this does. Um, and what they're promising and the fact that they're building, I don't know, a subscription plan the same week that Apple Vision Pro launches kind of smells like uh, an effort that's trying to, to ride the coattails of a much bigger effort. Um, and the fact is this Immerse doesn't have the money or the funding to even come close to what Apple or Meta are doing um, at the end of the day. Any, any hardware they do, no matter what partners they pick, it's going to be the same this is hard to describe, right? Like there's multiple layers here, but we've got Guy Goat in our comments suggesting using the words uh, scam. Uh, might be a scam, I think is what uh, Guy said. Um, 
Where is it? Yeah, so Guy Godin's asking questions like, where's the battery? Where's the compute? Has there been a working prototype shown? Which Chinese company is making the headset? And I, I see skepticism from you saying, you know, how is a startup doing this? The thing you need to understand about the Immersed Visor is that Immersed is the front company for this product. This this product, and I, I can say this from looking into this, is essentially a way for Qualcomm to release a product without actually really releasing a product. Qualcomm, the company that has been putting billions of dollars of research and development into the, both the chips and the core technology behind XR, has a very strong incentive to diversify its client base from just meta to as many other competitors as possible. Every time we've ever seen Qualcomm announce a chip, they always tell us that there's going to be 20 plus OEMs and, you know, and show us a whole this list. And it ends up being meta and then like a very, very small scale HTC headset. And that's it. You know, and in China, there are some other adopters too. And, and Qualcomm has a strong incentive to, to change the situation so that they have more leverage in this market. And one of the ways they're doing this is by using this startup to essentially release their own product without officially competing with Meta. The answer to where is the battery, by the way, is that it's external. It's an external battery like uh, Apple Vision Pro. We uh, In UploadVR.com, in our article, you see that they provided us with the first render of this. But I, I remain highly skeptical because, of course, we haven't seen this. We are not going to give you any recommendation to pre-order this thing until we have seen it in person and we've tried it. And that's what we are assured we'll be able to do in quarter two of this year. They also say that there is an undisclosed other tech giant that is helping them with this product. And they want to really uh, reveal that later this year. I would say before and say again, do not pre-order this thing until journalists like us have tried it hands-on and Immersed has said who their partner is. But I do just want to push back on the idea that this is a small startup and they can't do anything you know, incredible. They're just the front. Qualcomm is doing the real engineering work here. Uh, that's, that's Doing that and shipping at scale are two completely different things. So both of those things can be true. But, you know, Qualcomm doing the heavy lifting and also this being problematic to ship at scale, especially when um, we're in a race now for the biggest companies on the planet to go out and secure manufacturing supply for their product plants three, five, seven, ten years out. How smaller companies like this are going to catch up is going to be tough. Uh, so the- I saw people picking up Big Screen Beyond, and I just need to do the call out to Big Screen Beyond to just make sure we we recognize and call out that Big Screen Beyond is a different stage of development as a company. A uh, Both Immersed is a software platform with users who use it to come into and have co-presence and experience VR together. Big Screen has had that for many years. They've been doing it for a very long time. I think for longer than Immersed has by a wide margin, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and then... Uh, in, in addition to big screen sort of doing a movie service, in addition to their co-presence platform, they are doing hardware. And they've built a Steam VR headset that we were, we've tested. We've uh, tried out multiple times. They brought us in real early to get our feedback in development. And then they went sometime considerably later and shipped that headset to, to buyers with some really, really tough choices made in shipping that product but real choices, choices that we could test and feel on our, on our face uh, over the course of multiple hours. And that was a significant moment and a big proof of the belief in their product, proof that they're actually doing what they say they're doing. And we have yet to receive that out of Immersed and out of Visor. 
Yeah, for sure. The The thing about Immersed's visor compared to big screen is that it's simultaneously a more ambitious and more niche product than big screen beyond. So big screen beyond, you know, it, it has its limit in that it is a PC based headset. You need to have base stations for it. You need to have controllers, but it's designed to be a headset for every task, right? It's designed to be usable for flight simulators or VR chat or anything you want to do with PC VR. Immersed's visor and one of the reasons that it may have its place in the market, even despite the fact that there are tech giants investing billions, is that it's not designed to be a general purpose headset. This is not, they may add a Steam VR capability somewhere down the line, but that's not the focus. Also, while this does have standalone compute, it's not designed for high performance, high thermal, constant use cases like heavy gaming. This is a headset designed around virtual monitors, okay? If it was possible to deliver a wide field of view with transparent optics, I'm convinced that they would be using transparent optics. But what they're doing here is essentially the same pitch as the likes of X-Rail when plugged into a PC or Mac or some of the other things like Nemo Planet, except instead of using a transparent display system, they're using an opaque one. The, the point of this product and, and the idea of it is you plug it into your laptop and instantaneously or within you know 10 seconds, you have your laptop screen plus five or four extra virtual monitors. And the software is streamlined around that one use case. It's not this heavy general purpose operating system like the MetaQuest system software or Vision OS. It's designed around that. But I do think we should probably move on from this because as, as we've said, there's nowhere we can go here without having mm -hmm. hands on. We, I can tell you the reasons it might work. It's I can tell you the reasons that, that you this isn't just some random ragtag startup. They have a large backing. I can tell you why this doesn't need to compete with the larger headsets, but we can't tell you anything about the device for real until we try it. What uh, did let's let's contextualize this in terms of links, and I do think we need to move on quickly. But what was what would you what would you say our recommendation was for links uh, as links was doing its build up? As with all Kickstarters, we were clear with people that you shouldn't back it unless you're willing to lose your money. This is not a Kickstarter, though. They are claiming at least that pre-orders are refundable and you will not be charged until the device ships. That's a very different situation from a Kickstarter where you put down the money and it's a bet whether you get it back. This is, unless they are going to break the law, this is a pre-order. A pre-order that you do not have to pay until it ships. Uh, the, wow. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, let's move on. Um, I do think we will probably be having our guests join us. I'll be keeping an eye out the, the bottom of my phone. But yeah, we need to move on there. Do like, comment, subscribe. Please consider becoming a member to support our work directly on uploadvr.com. Uh, it means it means a lot to us to see members supporting us and uh, help support uh, help support our independence and uh, the things we really need to do to uh, give you the analysis you really need. So thank you so much for tuning in and yeah, hit that like button as we move on to Meta's uh, Meta's working to make Quest headsets work in moving vehicles like airplanes i like this one david because uh we're going to get to test this out uh very soon hopefully right yeah the the last thing i'll just reply to a comment here from bluebell saying xreal does the same thing as we'll talk about when we talk about vision pro and why apple took that decision headsets like xreal do the same thing in a very limited field of view. We've talked about it many, many times on this show about the fundamental problems of transparent optics today that 
what Visor is offering is double or triple the field of view. But let's talk about these two features. So this first one is something Meta has confirmed they are working on. This was spawned by a XR designer on X posting a video, which he found on YouTube, uh, that showed him trying to use Quest 3 in pass-through mode on an airplane. And what you see is that it drifts off. The interface drifts off when the plane accelerates or climbs or descends, and it's pretty much unusable. Uh, this right image is actually from me. This is me taking a uh, UK to UK flight where I tried it myself playing Cubism, and I verified that the same thing happens. And this is because the, the, the fundamental cause of this is that many, while many people believe that camera-based inside-out markerless tracking systems primarily use the camera from moment to moment, that's actually not true. They primarily use the onboard accelerometer, and which can sense, as the name implies, acceleration. Now, that doesn't give you position inherently. But if you integrate acceleration, you'll get velocity. And if you integrate it again, you'll get change in position, the displacement. The problem is that even the tiniest error will then, through the double integration process, accumulate and become a huge, huge issue. So while these headsets use that from moment to moment to track your position, as I, as I tilt my head each moment, the camera-based tracking system or the Steam VR base station laser system is used to correct that drift, that, that accumulated drift that builds up, the accumulated error that builds up as drift. So because of this deep reliance on the accelerometer, the, an accelerometer will determine your acceleration relative to gravity, the earth. But if you're on an airplane or a moving vehicle of any sort, as the vehicle itself moves, that position will be, that acceleration will be picked up. So you get this huge issue that, you know, Everything works great on level flight, right? You're up at your cruising altitude. I'm sitting there playing cubism. I'm having a great time. But as soon as the aircraft descends, the interface flies upwards. Or as soon as it ascends, the opposite happens. Or if it accelerates, the interface goes behind me. If it, if it slows down, you get the idea. If you try it in a moving vehicle of any sort, you'll find the same thing. Now, Apple Vision Pro has this travel mode. Apple has not yet detailed it. And I don't think any of the reviews that I read have actually mentioned it. Well, we can talk about that later. If anyone has seen the reviews mention it, bring it up in the comments, please. Apple has not yet said what travel mode does, but I plan to test it on uh, the airplane when I come back from New York. I'm going to bring the Quest 3 with me and I will test the experience of using it on a transatlantic flight and then I will bring the Vision Pro back and compare it and see what playing a movie is like. That'll be an article I plan to write. I, Meta has I, said that they are working on this problem, but they have not said anything specific. We don't know, will this just fall back to 3 off rotation tracking or will they do something, for example, make the tracking system rely only on the camera, even if that means a lower quality positional tracking, just so you can use it on a plane. Yeah, uh, to be clear here, uh, da David, David is thinking of bringing a, a Quest 3 on one transatlantic flight and return on another transatlantic flight with two headsets in order to do this extended test uh, with a uh, secondary battery attached to the first battery that's attached to your second headset that's going to be on your person to make sure that someone doesn't walk off with $4,000 in virtual reality gear. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bummer when I don't have my face facial expressions uh, recorded to catch reactions to situations like that. Our audience seems to be having fun with that situation, do please like, uh, like hit that like button if you think it is funny and cool that we are actually going to follow through on doing all this to to make sure that we get this analysis out there. 
Um, I don't know what else. This is, it, this is one of, I, I saw we've got, uh, I wanted to mention Cubism. Uh, the developer Cubism is in our comments, and that's the game you've got here shown in our screenshot, right? And I recently visited the spy exhibit that they have in New York. And in the spy exhibit that they have in New York, they have a game where lasers are painted across the room and are uh, pointing across the room. And then you have to run around the room and hit buttons all across the room, running up and down. And you try to get a high score for the day of pressing the, the highest number of buttons. And all I could think the entire time was about your use of mixed reality in laser dance game coming up uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, that was really, really cool. Oh, he's been to that exhibit. Yeah, amazing. It was, it's, it's incredible uh, that we've got a VR version of that really, really cool physical exhibit. I think Ian's just temporarily lost connection there. Um, yeah, the last thing I, I want to say about this feature is that I think it's going to be really, really useful because I'm sure anyone in the comments here who flies uh, across continents on flights that could be eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, or even some people that fly on longer flights will know that it's just incredibly boring. And yes, you have that little display on the front of the seat that can play movies with a really dim quality and a tiny screen and your little airplane earphones, but that sucks. We all know that sucks. I can't wait for a future where you look around on the aircraft and you see a bunch of people wearing headsets, be they Apple Vision headsets or MetaQuest or Samsung or any of the future entrants. I think this is likely to be a major change in how people fly long distance. Having your own personal cinema with your own downloaded content that you can watch on a high quality screen with your own ear wireless earbuds, that's going to be a big game changer. And, you know, maybe in future, uh, there will be, you know, multiplayer interactions with other people on the aircraft. And maybe as air airlines get, you know, Starlink internet and other low, uh, low latency, low earth orbit satellite uh, systems, you'll be able to, you know, play high quality multiplayer titles with people who are back on land. That could be something that, you know, virtual reality makes really, really enriching. So I'm very much so uh, very, very excited for this use case. I think, headsets are going to be huge on aircraft in the next 10 years. It's going to be something that people are going to start seeing. I think a lot of people will see a vision pro for the first time if they don't live near an Apple store on an aircraft. Yeah. Our audience is building as we expected, uh, building up to the Apple vision pro news that we're going to be getting into. Uh, obviously we've got, uh, some very big names in our audience today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, but I noticed sadly it's Bradley was tuned in earlier. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, obviously Gigod and the creator of virtual desktop is a regular viewer of our show. Thank you so much for watching us on a regular basis. And, uh, Let's see, there were a couple other names here that I'm blanking on as we go live here, but we actually, we, it's just, we, it's amazing to see these believers in virtual reality, long-term VR, the, the promise that we're going to wear face computers long-term, uh, sticking around, popping up in our comments, developing, or just sitting back and watching it roll in, uh, in various ways, right? Like that's that is what is happening. is 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 a is a mainstream moment, a mainstream day, uh, that is going to be hard to forget. Uh, we're going to remember this day for a long time, and we're going to remember Friday and this weekend for a long time. Um, yeah. So a uh, big moment, and it's it just. 
thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for coming in, tuning in, and, and trusting us with your time. Uh, are we ready to talk about the next meta story here? We're going to be less and less crazy every year. <laughs> Everyone who thinks this is going to, you know, what's that uh, gradually then suddenly effect? Just two last no, things I'll no, say no, on the this. No, no, the plan is, David, um, uh, that we've got to amp up the drama on the show with each passing year in as it gets bigger, and then and then everyone we multiply our numbers and we get crazier as it gets more real and that's that's how we no i mean on the decade scale it's getting less and less crazy as in you know yeah. thinking everyone's going to wear first face computers in 2014 now that was crazy in 2024 it's a little it's, less crazy in 2034 it's going to be more at the end of the show and personas are clearly breaking some people's minds right like we're going to we're, we're yeah we'll get to that. that at the end of the show so two two last things on this uh people are pointing out rightly that you can use quest in 3 off rotation only tracking mode on a plane without pass through it will disable pass-throughs. So you could theoretically play some VR games that don't require positional movement. You could theoretically use theater apps that don't use pass-through. Um, I think it's great to be able to even quickly toggle pass-through. You know, you, there may be someone in the seat beside you that wants to get up and you don't have to take the headset all the way off. Or, you know, you may be asked something by uh, one of the stewards or stewardesses. Uh, it's the one of those situations where you want to be able to quickly access the real world and when you disable tracking you can't do that on quest it's possible that this update will just bring three off uh, another person is suggesting matt haggard that if united is smart they'll have an app where you can stream movies that are on the plane onto your own headset that would be great if there's an app for vision and MetaQuest that let you stream movies downloaded onto the plane that would be great but yeah let's talk about the next feature that may be coming to quest this this one here is confirmed is coming that meta is going to do something around a travel mode this next one was discovered in the ios app the ios meta quest app for iphone and basically there were a bunch of references discovered that talk about uploading a spatial video from your iphone so that it will show up in the files app in the meta quest and be playable so if you're not familiar, a few months ago, the iPhone 15 Pro series, the Pro and Pro Max, got the ability to take spatial video. It just means 3D video. It's not in any way magical. It's just 3D video. It's 1080p, 30fps, two views with a little bit of stereo disparity. It's really great, actually, to be able to capture that as a regular person without having to have a specific camera. The camera in your pocket, your iPhone right now 15 Pro will be able to do that. There are Decently reliable reports that suggest the, the regular iPhone 16 later this year will be able to capture these. Um, and officially, Apple has only designed this to be played back on Vision Pro. But within a couple of days of the feature arriving on iPhone 15 Pro, someone had already made an iPhone app called Spatialify that lets you convert spatial 3D video, Apple's format, into regular side-by-side. -side. You can then transfer it to a computer, and transfer it to your Quest and watch it on your Quest and any VR headset. That doesn't have to be a Quest. You can watch it on PC VR. You can watch it on Pico, Vive, XR, Elite. It just becomes a regular 3D video. What this feature indicates is that Meta is going to make that a lot, lot easier where you can just press a uh, click a button on the Meta Quest app and it'll upload that video to your Quest and it's there ready to view. So this isn't adding a new feature, but it should dramatically reduce the friction needed to go from having a spatial video you've recorded on your iPhone and watching it in your Quest. Yeah, I did get to see a couple of spatial videos 
in my demo time, they are really impactful. Uh, the way Apple frames it is they, they think that it, those videos convey more emotional depth. I only got to see them for a few seconds, but they were very, very impactful. And uh, hopefully our guests later on in the show will be able to talk about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to start capturing video in spatial uh, format. I now have access to a 15 Pro where I'm able to capture a few spatial videos. And I'm not going to mention the, the, the elephant in the room you won't let me talk about, but we're going to need to compare spatial videos to that elephant that David doesn't want me to talk about. I'm not even going to say it. I will say it. You mean you mean the Ray-Ban glasses that can't record 3D video? There's only it's only 2D video, unfortunately. Oh, thank you for bringing it up, David. Second camera. Oh, please, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Um. The last thing I'll say on this is just I think where this is going to go is that you know right now recording spatial video is like a, a toggle option on your iPhone 15 Pro. You have to specifically decide to record it, and it's 1080p 30fps. But as the chips in these iPhones get better, as they do, as Apple you know, makes those encoders more efficient, I imagine that, say, by the late decade or the early 2030s, spatial video is just going to be the default. So any video you record in landscape on your iPhone is recording in 3D. Just like uh, when you take a photo on an iPhone, the, the live photo is the default. You don't have to toggle. Well, you, you can toggle it off, but it's on by default. That seems like where this is going to go. And every photo you take on your iPhone in landscape should be... 3d and then all of this is just on vision pro ready to be watched or you know by then maybe the regular apple vision but yeah it's very exciting to see that within a few years hundreds of millions of people are going to have the ability from their pocket to take 3d video and we'll have to keep an eye on you know samsung and google pixel and android phone makers to see if they bring their own take on this yeah, I think we will have to watch the space between spatial video and Apple immersive video, the format that the, the, the there was VR 180 as a format, uh, obviously. And then there's Apple immersive video as this new format that's debuting alongside this headset. And I'm curious about how you have like content in between those two extremes, right? It seems like Apple immersive video is going to be very high production. Uh, it's going to involve putting a camera in a very specific place in order to capture a very key moment. And like that's that was the problem with Next VR back in the day was you had to have the camera placed just right. The great thing about spatial videos of the ones they showed is you're that they're built for the camera being up close to near far and mid objects and really bringing that depth forward in a headset. Yeah, it's a very exciting long-term future to imagine that one day you'll be able to record volumetric video in your pocket. And that's obviously what we all want eventually. Um, it's something that was a huge sort of focus of the hype in the early modern consumer VR era of, you know, 2014 to 2016. But getting building that into even a, a stick camera with a stick with a ball on top is incredibly challenging and it's going to be one of those things that I think is probably just something for the next decade. Maybe there'll be high-end prosumer devices, but volumetric capture is something we haven't even seen arrive in a meaningful way that can be done at you know production level from uh, you know even hundred thousand dollar setups. For now, it's just as you say that Apple immersive video that's three D, one hundred and eighty, and then you have you know three uh, D in a rectangular view from consumer devices. It'll be very interesting to see what happens next. 
I think we should move on to the Quest 3 Lite here in a minute. Uh, let David look at the comments here, see if there's anything he wants to get into before we move on. I want to tease that I, I just spent last night watching Ready Player One. Uh, again, uh, not a movie I watch frequently. I've, if it's once a year, once every couple of years, I have not watched it much. But it feels like it, it's aging pretty well. Uh, it was cool to to see it, and I will note that in that movie they say the first version of the Oasis was built in the year twenty twenty five. Let's talk about uh, what David wants to talk about next. Just one year away. Yeah, I think the next thing we're talking about here is Quest Three Lite. Um, we'll just briefly talk about this because we want to get to Vision Pro as quickly as possible. So there's a report here we're going to talk about, and then there's some of our own speculation. Um, the there were multiple reports in recent years that Meta was partnering with the Chinese tech giant Tencent, which many of you gamers may know from their investments in Western gaming companies, uh, to bring Quest headsets to China. So in the same way that Tencent sells a Nintendo Switch in China, and they handle all of the content and, and a lot of the marketing and, and the actual sales, because you legally have to partner with a Chinese company to do that. Meta was going to do the same with Quest. And, you know, initial reports were talking about Quest 2, but it looks like this partnership took so long that it then became about the rumored Quest 3 Lite. And if you're not familiar with the rumors of Quest 3 Lite, uh, we have sourcing from the likes of Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal and a Chinese VR analyst that suggests that Meta's next headset is going to be a, a hybrid between Quest 2 and Quest 3, a cheaper Quest 3 that uses the Fresnel lenses from Quest 2, but with the XR2 Gen 2 processor from Quest 3. So it gets those higher graphics and more processing power, but it still has those old Fresnel lenses, an interesting hybrid. And so the report this week um, is suggesting that Meta has suspended that partnership with Tencent due to difficulties over the details. And so it will not bring Quest 3 Lite to China. So that doesn't mean it won't launch in the West. We have heard no new report suggesting it won't, but it looks like Pico and ByteDance are safe for now if this report is to be believed. Yeah, the beginning of kind of a big year for news out of China, I, I suppose we'll we'll see how how that that pans out, right? We've got uh indications from other like Pico, right, that they're reorganizing and trying to find their path forward. And we're in the week of Apple Vision Pro launching. So there's a lot of people waiting to see how many uh, of those headsets are going to launch. They're waiting to see what Samsung and Google are doing. And they're going to have to ship products or plan products in the meantime, while also waiting to see what these tech giants in the United States are doing. Um, and I think we'll, we'll hear a lot more from that over the course of the year. You can imagine a lot of sighs of relief, uh, coming out of bike dance and Pico, uh, hearing this report, assuming that it's accurate because, you know, they were struggling to compete with quest in the West. Obviously that's one of the reasons that Pico five was reportedly canceled is because they just didn't achieve the kind of sales figures they wanted. Uh, you know, there it's being reported there may be a Pico 4 refresh, a Pico 4 Plus or something, or maybe they'll brand that as Pico 5 now, given that that would make more sense. Uh, but 
you know, had, had Meta entered their market with a headset like this that has a new chipset and, you know, some the, the MetaQuest library, they would have been in a deep, deep trouble. The, the second thing we want to talk about on Quest 3 Lite is some speculation based on some findings and a recent quote from a Meta engineering manager. So Meta this week posted a uh, blog post talking about the use of AI and computer vision in their products, uh, be it Quest, be it Ray-Ban. Um, they were talking about the use of AI and computer vision. And there was an interesting quote in it where they said, after Quest 3, uh, we assume that every new headset is going to have mixed reality and pass through. And that quote doesn't obviously explicitly confirm that Quest 3 Lite will have Quest 3 like mixed reality capabilities, but it does certainly hint at it because there's some people had sort of assumed um, that Quest 3 Lite might have the black and white pass through of Quest 2. And you may have seen earlier versions of this render that showed the two kind of frontal, simple black and white tracking cameras on their own. But it wouldn't really make sense for Meta to do this because that would mean that their mixed reality content would only run on the $500 Quest 3 and not on the $300 Quest Lite. It would send a signal to developers that mixed reality is not worth building for uh, because the huge market of new buyers that were going to get this thing are just not going to be able to access it. But that's why we that's one of the reasons why we think this thing will have color mixed reality. And, and what you see in this render that XR Carlos did for Upload VR, what that might look like. The other reason we think this is from a debug log text that was found in the Quest firmware by firmware sleuth Simulia. So he has in the past uh, found in details in the Quest firmware, such as Quest Pro's exact specs, Quest 3's exact resolution, and some of Quest 3's room scanning features. So this Simulia is, has a proven track record of finding upcoming features in the Quest firmware. And so they find this debug string called debug Oculus Panther on Eureka. And you can see that it says simulating Panther on Eureka. Depth projector will not be used. Now Eureka is the code name for Quest 3. And based on uh, this and a few other findings, such as an, a service called Oculus DB scraping the name Panther from the Quest store, we believe that Panther is the code name for Quest 3 Lite. And so what this is doing is simulating on a Quest 3 what a Quest 3 Lite would be without a depth projector. And the reason I think they're doing this is I think they're trying to get the room mesh 3D mesh generation that works on Quest 3 today using the IR depth projector working on a headset that does not have that hardware. So in the field of computer vision uh, today, that is one of the fastest advancing topics. Estimating depth without actual hardware level depth sensing. Quest 3 already does this for its pass-through. Uh, that's how it figures out the depth to reproject the, the view at. And it also does that for its depth API that enables occlusion. So it's only a few extra steps to say, how do we get this working over a larger scale for bringing in a room? It may be lower quality. You may have to walk around your room a bit more to get that mesh generated. But that seems like an acceptable trade-off if this device can hit $250 or $300. If this is what Quest 3 Lite is, it has color pass-through and it has the XR2 Gen 2, it will essentially just be a cheaper Quest 3. You know, inferior materials, a bulkier design, 
a single LCD panel, presumably, and Fresnel lenses, but not a fundamentally different device. Developers can treat it as the same thing, just a lower quality, cheaper version. So Thomas, uh, in our comments here, bringing up big concern. To be honest, I'd rather have the depth sensor than color pass-through for this device. It feels like it lowers the friction of room setup, which is, in my opinion, more important for a mixed reality app than color pass-through. Wonderful observation and great point. I think what I want to bring up is the, the possibility that what Meta is doing is investing in computer vision research in at a scale that nobody else really is investing. Uh, maybe Google is coming close, maybe Apple's coming close, but I would even venture to say that I would just my gut based on what I'm reading the room that I think Meta probably outstrips that specific investment by a wide margin um, for Meta. So let's let's just accept that as probably the, the playing field for what Meta's doing. And then what they did is they shipped a depth sensor and this mid-market device with the Quest 3. And if they can take all of that investment in computer vision and take it downstream and all that functionality that they may work make work great on Quest 3 and then make that work with less hardware on a slightly cheaper device, then they are achieving their goal of widening the funnel, the opening of the funnel to bring more people into virtual reality. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they plan to do here. So, uh, Thomas, you're absolutely right to say that having that automatic room setup is essential. And what I'm suggesting here is they're going to ship it in a software only solution that doesn't require hardware level depth sensing. You know, I do follow the, the field of uh, computer vision quite closely. I also follow machine learning in general. And I do think it's accurate to say that other than Tesla, there are there is no other company on the planet that is investing in real, practical, in-product computer vision than Meta. This, you know, Meta is shipping uh, this this pass-through technology, the room generation, all without, all with very little use of hardware depth sensing. You know, this Quest Three doesn't even have a depth sensor. It has an a depth an IR projector that projects out some dots that it uses to help guide what is already a mostly software-based solution. Apple Vision Pro is doing its room meshing with a LiDAR sensor. So they're getting real direct hardware level depth information that Meta isn't using. And that's the advantage. If Meta can get this cracked in software, every headset from now on doesn't have to have that hardware level depth sensing. They cut the cost. They make this thing cheaper over time. It's the same equivalent to how Tesla is trying to do uh, you know, depth and object recognition for their full self-driving project without LiDAR, without hardware level depth sensing. And yeah, the, the, the thing is, the computer vision is advancing so fast that we could be in a world a few years from now where the depth sensors are just a kind of uh, a crutch, an added extra cost that doesn't justify the added, the wider market you can get by dropping it. Bradley, in our comments, saying Apple doesn't even have a room set up. It does everything automatically without you noticing or doing anything, which is interesting. Yes, that is something we're going to test extensively because we're going to start seeing. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, unlike Quest, uh, yeah, we are aware of this. Unlike Quest, where you do a room setup where, where it scans in, again, using just a projector, a 3D mesh, and that mesh is continuously used, Apple continuously scans and updates using the LiDAR because they don't have to do this heavy computational process. They are getting that hardware level depth information constantly from the LiDAR. So they do a continuous update. I'd love to see Quest do a continuously updated 3D mesh because you have this problem sometimes where you scan in a person or a pet that then walks away and they're part of the mesh because you can't say, you know, go away while I set this up. It's a bit awkward. You just end up keeping them in the mesh. I think that's a good moment to 
get us to transition to our last subject here, where uh, David Heaney is probably going to talk at length here uh, about, uh, it's going to look a little bit like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, piecing together uh, how exactly Meta is going to stand up to the competition. But I think he has a really solid mind on this. Uh, he's, his analysis is, is almost, is, is unmatched. Uh, I don't see analysis like you're about to get uh, anywhere else uh, on this on this specific subject. So I, I can't wait to hear from him. I'll uh, come back on it a little bit myself. And then we will get into the Apple Vision Pro news very soon. And then we'll uh, hopefully have our special guest uh, join us. Thank you all for tuning in. Yes, I want to make that pitch one more time to like and share this link out. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are going to be learning about VR for the first time today. And throughout the course of the week, this is our chance to invite them in. And uh, I, I put that meme out on Twitter, but it definitely has that feeling today of uh, reading those people trying to write their reviews from VR and miserably failing. Uh, it was quite, a, I felt seen uh, by that. So that was cool to see. Uh, let's talk about this subject, David. I've actually tried to write quite a few reviews in VR. For example, I think one of my first articles was reviewing virtual desktop for Oculus Go back when virtual desktop was just a virtual desktop app. It wasn't oh my God. VR streaming. He, he send a send a note of condolences to to David uh, <laughs> on that one. Come on. That, Oculus Go is actually lighter than pretty much all the headsets we're talking about. We'll talk about comfort in a bit, but because it didn't have uh, a cooling fan because it didn't have cameras. It was quite a simple device in many ways. It, it it was just, you know, a screen, a chip and two lenses pretty much. It actually was really light. I think it was like 450 grams or, or something like that. So, you know, I, I like using Go for that sort of use case. Obviously, this thing that sucked was the lack of positional tracking. But let's talk about this. I would, for more detail on this, I'd recommend going to uploadvr.com and reading the editorial here, which is asking, will Meta be the Android of spatial computing or the BlackBerry? But we'll, we'll briefly talk, talk about this before we get into the main star of the show, Apple Vision Pro. So uh, basically, the Wall Street Journal this week has a report that says that Meta is optimistic about the launch of Apple Vision Pro. They're not disheartened. They're not going, oh no, they're saying great because it's going to provide, in their view, validation to the whole idea of people wearing and using XR headsets or spatial computers as Apple would call them. And then that brings a larger cultural awareness. It brings more people into the space. It brings more developers into the space. And Meta sees itself as coming along and playing the the option, the other option, you know, the alternative to Apple. The android of the market as they apparently meta executives believe according to this wall street journal report and as i pointed out in my article there is a huge problem with this idea the problem is that android on smartphones is a semi-open software platform any phone maker can put on the android open source project version, which is the open source core of Android. And then by agreeing to a few terms, such as pre-installing Google's apps, they can put the Google Play Store on their device and get access to all of Google's services. And you go from being a hardware company to selling a product without having to have all of the software services. The problem is that MetaQuest is not like that. It Meta is the hardware and the software provider. Other companies cannot, as far as we know, just go in and use the MetaQuest software on their headsets. So this is a very, very different market. But that in a way also 
makes this a, a positively different market for Meta because if Google is coming along and making its Android of XR, which is what they reportedly want to do for Samsung and in future others, they're going to have a huge problem that when you do a separated model where one company handles the, the software platform and another handles the hardware, the hardware company has to make a hardware margin, a profit. And so their headsets will be more expensive than a company like Meta, where they are making their money on the software platform so they can push out the hardware at cost or even below cost. That's a really strange market dynamic that we haven't seen before. Neither Apple nor Google have faced a vertically integrated competitor, meaning someone that does hardware and software that sells their hardware at a subsidized price. It's a really interesting market dynamic, but to get to the crux of it, read the article for more details, but essentially we don't know yet, will Meta end up in the position they want, where you have this market over time, where you have Apple Vision and MetaQuest, and those are the main options, or will Google come in with the Android of XR, give you know hardware experts like Samsung the ability to make great hardware that people love with Google's Play Store and services that they already use on their on their computers and Android phones, and leave Meta as the unwanted third option, the BlackBerry, the Nokia, the Palm, and die off. We don't know. But it's a really interesting way to think about this. The one, the, the only conclusion I want to make, which is I put in the article, is it is far from a sure thing that Meta will be the player they want to be. So, so Geek Odin in our comments asking the question, challenging you, David Heaney. But I think you've addressed this. But he's he's calling out this concern: the Android of headsets. How can they be that uh, quote? But they don't control the OS or license anything to anyone. They don't license anything yet to anyone. And I think that's where we are in this phase of personal computing. And I, I almost wonder if this explains a little bit about Apple's really crummy behavior uh, when it comes to um, protecting their their app store uh, functionality, right? They're, they're cutting devs out left and right uh, or, or making them pay up in various ways. There were a lot of devs really upset by the, the per-install language that got put out uh, quite recently um what i what i think that spells out to me is these companies are developing technologies that they want a very large number of people to use and if you look at the history of facebook they've done very clever things with things like the like button uh to populate facebook out into the wider web and they're building towards being able to do that, I think, with things like codec avatars. If they get something like uh, Meta Verified hooked up to codec avatars and they are the provider of that for free to a whole lot of um, businesses out there, that's actually um, probably the future of Facebook, I would think. But that's just me uh, going off there a little bit. I'm curious if we have any comments that you want to respond to before we get towards the end here of the of the other news. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, just want to firstly say, I don't think Guy was challenging me. He actually was backing up what I was saying and making the point that I, I was making. I think obviously there's a delay of, you know, 15 or 20 seconds in the comments. So that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, Meta is not the software provider that was going to populate this ecosystem of devices. Um, but one of the reasons that, you know, you say not yet, one of the reasons that makes it really hard for Meta to ever get to that position is this hardware subsidizing. It's that same reason that the hardware provider would want to make a profit. Say a company wants to make 
a um, say TCL, it's just a random hardware company I'm coming up with, uh, wants to make a Quest 3 competitor that runs MetaQuest. So they want to be an entrant. The problem is that TCL is going to need to add 100 or 200 or $300 in profit. So they're going to be selling an $800 pr- product that may be better in some ways, but is going to be cannibalized by the Quest 3 undercutting it. That's a huge problem for Meta to ever move to a model where they are providing for other companies. They're going to need to start increasing the prices of their own product to make it a level playing field. Now, the, the one thing they can do and reportedly will do is do this partnership idea in the prosumer market when it comes to their their Quest Pro line. And they reportedly plan to do that with LG. But it's hard to get people interested in just supporting the niche product when the long-term goal is that they want to be, you know, selling the the massive unit volumes that, you know, Samsung today does for Android phones. Yeah, uh, people uh, making sure that uh, David does his review independently. That is uh, exactly the plan. That is exactly what we're doing. And I don't know if my avatar is acting funny. People are saying I'm making weird moves in the in the comments. Yeah, uh, you in, were jumping around a little bit there. <laughs> so in VR, uh, my avatar, it, through this show, uh, my, my head removes from my face. So I back up and move my head back a little bit. And I'm looking inside my own avatar's skull. And that I is think awful. it's probably just the tracking messing up. Uh, it might just be uh, maybe I'll like restart it. my headset when we take a good br- a break. I don't. It's not minutes. doing it anymore. I would. I don't think you need to restart. It's just. I think it was just the tracking was lost for a few seconds. Your your hand was in an awkward position that the inverse kinematic system uh, messed up. James O'Loughlin making a comment um, against this idea, saying, "Look at Samsung seals compared to Google Pixel phones. So Google provides Android. They also provide Pixel. But there's two reasons that that doesn't apply to this market." One, the Google Pixel phones are sold with a profit. Google is not selling the Pixel phones at cost price. That would be a massive market distortion in the in the Android phone market, and it would really piss off Samsung and others if Google started shoving out the Pixel 8 for $400 or $500. That would change a lot. Also, Google launched the Pixel almost 10 years after Android. Samsung had already become the dominant player. It had had that time to build up brand loyalty and build up expertise and supply chains and do all the research and development that they're, you know, I'm a Google Pixel user myself, but I'll admit, while I prefer the software experience of Pixel, Galaxy phones tend to have better hardware. Samsung has built up that ecosystem The, the you know, because they've been there since the very, very start. Google had been making Pixel phones from day one of Android and had been selling them at cost price. I don't think you would have had a Samsung that's as successful as it is today. Mm, very, very interesting commentary there. Uh, any comments you want to respond to before we switch subjects here? Uh, yeah, just having a look at the comments here. I remember when they launched Android, the vision of it, of them not leaving the market to Apple. And that's, that is what Android did. But really, what we have yet to see here is what grounds Google and Meta can really find for cooperation and how that affects Apple as we move into these next steps. So far, it seems like they're going to be competitors. You know, they want second place. I mean, that's presuming Apple takes first place, to be clear. And, and I'm not even talking about unit sales here. I'm talking about profit and, and the size of the business over time. You know, iPhones don't sell more than Android phones globally, but they do make a lot, lot, lot more profit. Um, and, you know, recently we had that 
claim from Meta CTO Andrew Bosworth that they asked Google, Meta asked Google to bring the Play Store to Quest and Google said no, presumably because they're saving that as the special sauce for their Samsung headset, where you can have all of those Android tablet and phone apps in spatial with you, just like Apple is doing with iPad and iPhone. Uh, Simon says VR is saying, wouldn't it be difficult to compete with Meta from a gaming perspective? Quest is the gaming standalone to beat. And I've seen a a few comments around this idea that Meta's unique idea is that they have all these games. They have eight game studios. They're pumping out the likes of Asgard's Wrath 2. They will probably be the only player with gaming-like controllers with thumbsticks. And that's very, very true. Quest has proven itself as a successful games console. What Meta has not demonstrated is that they know how to take it from a games console to a mass market general computing device. One thing it's important to understand is that games consoles like the PlayStation 5 and Xbox series and even the Nintendo Switch are on a global scale from a technological perspective, not fully mass market, right? These are things that are owned by maybe 100 million people, but smartphones and tablets and PCs, they're owned by billions of people. And the, the end goal here for Apple and Meta for, for these new computing devices, not anytime soon, not in five years, not even in 10 years, but in 15, 20, 30 years, is that these devices eventually get to that billion scale of tablets and computers, for example. And Meta is going to have a very hard path getting there without an existing ecosystem of computing devices. Because, you know, the PlayStation Portable was a better gaming device than the iPhone or Android tablets, right? But it didn't matter. It was irrelevant to the discussion of Android vs. iPhone. When it came to a portable device you carried around, the PSP had a web browser. It had the ability to play videos from certain video services, and you could put in those little mini DVD things into it. But again, it was not a general computing device that could support apps, and Sony never wanted to, I don't think, bring it beyond that. It did sell 80 million of them. You know, Quest has sold 20 million, but PlayStation Portable sold 80 million over its 10 years. So... That's going to be the challenge for Meta. If they want to be the Android of spatial computing, they're going to have to find a way to make Quest more than just a games console because no one is arguing that Quest has made itself already a successful games mm-hmm. console. Wabo has this comment, a uh, very, very interesting comment. In my opinion, the only way to get to a billion users in VR is to make 100 million gamers in VR right now happy. I think that's a very useful way of framing uh, the the situation facing the market. And we are really, really close to getting into the Apple Vision Pro. Some of the stuff we're talking about right now is going to feed right into the Apple Vision Pro discussion. Um, any, any last comments we want to get into on that section before we move on? I want to encourage people, again, to share this co- link out to your friends family if you've got questions about apple vision pro we are going to try to break it down uh in the simplest terms possible uh and and make sure people really understand what is coming here um david any comments there you want to get into before we dive into this yeah we have um wabo pointing out that john carmack was a huge proponent of um of i think wabo was pointing out that he was a huge proponent in making you know, delivering value for the current user base and growing out of that. Carmack was also a huge proponent of making these general computing devices. He was very big on the idea of Meta pushing hard on taking on Chromebooks, for example, with Quest. He's also a huge proponent of 2D screens in VR. Screens and people was one of Carmack's 
uh, mottos, this idea that we talk about so much in the show that one of the things that a killer app for VR is just being able to sit beside a high quality avatar of someone with spatial audio and watch 2D screens together. And we've talked about on the show many times about how DRM is what restricts that in many ways and licensing agreements. But Carmack was a huge proponent of making headsets into general computing devices. And obviously now Carmack is no longer at Meta. Yeah, so our comments are piping up with people very excited for this section of the news and uh, wanting to hear us talk all about Apple Vision Pro with the question right up at the front, which we did talk about at the beginning of the show, but we need to recap for everyone who joined late. We were not sent an Apple Vision Pro uh, to review, and that's okay. We are purchasing an Apple Vision Pro uh, to pick up this weekend for David Heaney to take home with him to England to have an independent analysis of exactly what it's like to use this headset in comparison to all the other headsets he's used in the past weeks and months and years. And uh, we'll finally get that probably sometime next week. Uh, We'll we'll hear something from him next week. I don't know what it'll be, uh, but that would be my guess. And uh, we'll get into that next week on next week's show. So we're really, it's a bummer that we can't give you more ourselves today. But I do have a plan for that, and I hope you stay tuned uh, after David and I get through the the main bit here where I'll tell you about uh, our plan for more people coming in here to talk about this. Um, let's talk about the meaning of this, this moment a little bit. Um, David, um, an Android owner, um, do, you, do you even have an Apple account right now, and what do you use it for? I do have one for an iPad, yes, but I will not be able to use that because Apple have locked this down to being US-only accounts. So that's why we discussed last week that I'm going to have to use an, an upload-based uh, US account. So I won't be able to test you know, integration with other Apple devices. If you, you, you cannot use Vision Pro with an outside US account, this is a US-only product. We are far from the only people that are personally shipping Vision Pro back to Europe. However, you know, I know of multiple uh, YouTubers and tech reviewers and enthusiasts that are uh, flying over to the US for a uh, a holiday for the sole purpose of grabbing the Vision Pro. You know, I'm I'm going to be in New York for one night. I'm we'll, I'll meet with Ian and Kyle. We'll try out the Vision Pro, and then I'm going to get it back on the, on the plane, test it out, and see what it's like on a plane, and then get it in and treat it just like anyone would in their home because I'd really recommend you read Ian's impressions of Vision Pro from his hands-on demos, but of course, a hands-on demo, while it tells you a lot about the device, doesn't tell you what it's really like to use in your home. And that's why uh, we've taken great interest in these first reviews that have come from mainstream media outlets. And to remind you, you can see a recap of the good, the bad, and the ugly from them on uploadvr.com. The last thing I would say, by the way, is for our review, if there's anything you want us to cover that was not covered in these reviews, or even that was covered in these reviews, and you want our take on it, leave a comment below this video. We will check all those comments, and we will try our best to include it in the review. Yeah, a wonderful note there from David. Uh, Please do leave those comments. Let us know what you want to know. He's going to have that headset on an ongoing basis. If you're a developer or building something for Vision Pro, let us know. Um, do try to provide video uh, as we move on if you're going to do that so that we can see what your app looks like. Um, it's one of the things I want to get into as we get into the Apple uh, Vision Pro section is the different types of apps that Apple has flowing into this ecosystem and why some of those might be impressive, some of them might not be so impressive. 
some of them might be completely different than games you actually already know, um, but uh, are on a new platform. David, why don't you give us a little summary here of, of what we're going to get into? Yeah, so uh, we have reviews from The Verge, from The Wall Street Journal, from CNBC, from CNET, and there's a few others such as Tom's Guide and a few YouTubers. Um, but, you know, they all ha seem to have common themes and there are things that they all really like and they really dislike. Um, let's start with what they all seem to love. Everyone, pretty much everyone says that the display is amazing. The near 4K OLED micro displays in this thing are beautiful. You know, CNET described it as being better than the best TV in their house. And this is a tech reviewer that has, you know, great TVs. This, the ability of this thing to add, add to uh, work as a personal cinema for yourself is undisputed. That is a really great use case that this thing is going to excel at, especially with the fact that you can bring in 4K HDR 3D movies from Apple's library and some from Disney. Uh, everyone also said that in most lighting conditions, the pass-through is great. The pass-through is a noticeable step up from Quest 3. It's it's good enough to use your phone with no eye strain um, in most lighting conditions. It doesn't have the warping of Quest 3. And in general, in good lighting conditions, as Ian said in uh, his review, or sorry, his hands-on time, it rivals transparent optics. The problem is that in low lighting, just like any camera system, it gets a little bit weaker, where uh, the, the Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern, for example, said that if she was uh, opening up a cupboard in a dark room and looking in, at, uh, she wouldn't be able to read the small text on the item she was grabbing out. And you know, when she was putting pepper on her food, she wasn't able to see it. Uh, pretty crazy in her review, she also tried skiing with this thing. She wore it as she was skiing which is uh, incredible. Uh, I recommend going and watching that. Uh, that proves how low the latency is here. This is 12 milliseconds end-to-end, -end, and Apple really means end-to-end. -end. In The Verge's review, they clarified that Apple means from camera exposure until the photon hits your eye. That's 12 milliseconds. So basically imperceptible latency. That latency is not a problem. Uh, the other issue, of course, is, is that there is a slight motion blur. The you know the exposure time that they need to do to get a high quality image here it means that when you move your head, it's not like in VR where it's fully smooth or like in real life, obviously, there is a little bit of motion blur there. And anyone who has a Quest 3 will know that there's a lot of motion blur there. So it's uh, fascinating to see how the reviews are of the pastor. Is there anything you want to talk about before we talk about the other elements? Um, I, I guess think now is probably a good time because people are mentioning his review in our comments, but we should have Scott Stein from CNET joining us here to talk about his time with the Apple Vision Pro. That would be uh, him in the corner here. Uh, and uh, so we obviously didn't get our extended time with the Apple Vision Pro, but we should have him here in the studio here in a few minutes to go through that with us uh, personally here with our audience. So thank you so much uh, to Scott uh, for at least trying. We'll, we'll see how this works. This is going to be hard and to, to pull off right down to the line. But if it works, it will actually be a, a good demonstration. He actually is. David, he joined here hearing the call out live on the studio. So he is in the back of our studio right now. Scott, just stay <laughs> quiet over there for a minute. Uh, but it's a... Uh, 
it's it worked, David. Well, it worked that way. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk here for a few minutes. We've got Scott, Scott behind the camera over here waiting to come online. That is effectively our waiting room for the time being. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't, I don't think there's anything I necessarily need to get into right now. It would actually be really effective to talk over with Scott because all I've got to talk about is maybe forty five minutes in headset, and he spent a lot more time. And yeah, I, I mean, I would. I'd be fully happy to jump out now and let uh, Scott go in. Uh, we've never actually tried the the third spectator over there. Obviously, you can't see this in the audience, but presumably once I leave, it should move Scott over to my position. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> Scott, you can just rejoin. But I'm going to try that now. I give it a few seconds to see if it jumps. So I'm going to let Scott come on here because he's tried, you know, he's reviewed this headset and, you know, you can see him right here. So I'm going to pop out. That's yeah, so I'm gonna. This is how we convince David Heaney to make a waiting room for the Upload VR Studios <laughs> by uh, having having Scott from uh, from CNET join us live. Um, maybe Scott leaves, like close the app, and come right back in and see if you yeah, can right me, back. Yeah, let me let me do that. Seat. Okay. All right. So we've got Scott Stein from. Thenet here joining us, who has just spent a lot of time with Apple Vision Pro, and uh, I uh, had a big day today. I, you know, I was I was up late last night, very exhausted this morning. I knew the Apple Vision Pro review embargoes were going to lift based on the reporting uh, out of Bloomberg saying that they were coming today, and I'm like, uh, I went back to sleep after getting up this morning, woke up to this uh, all the major outlets in the world tech outlets doing their Apple Vision Pro uh, reviews, with Scott uh, being the first or second on the list uh, of reviews that I wanted to get into, into this morning. So I read, uh, I read was, I had time to read The Verge's review, and I had time to read CNET's review, and I really, really, really enjoyed uh, both of them. They were both really, really interesting. But CNET's review and uh, Scott's review um, was excellent. Uh, it was uh, a fantastic look at exactly where we are with technology today, its promise long-term. And what I loved so much was uh, your presentation of the limitations that are apparent to you in the Apple Vision Pro. So Scott, thank you so much for joining us. He's in the studio now. Let's try out your audio and see how it is. Oh, sure. Hey, how does it sound? Hey, good to be here. I think it's it might be a little on the softer side. We'll see here in a minute in the comments here. You've got a tablet there in front of you. I don't know. You might not have access to apps uh, as a guest. We'll see here. But you do have a mic and mute button right there. I have a there. mic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll try projecting. I'll, how does it sound if I talk like this? It sounds good. You know, it's it's just, it. I think it's good. And I'm seeing in our, yeah, everyone in our comments is saying good. So I don't think you even need to project. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And you have demonstrated the power of virtual reality to us live in front of our audience. Uh, <laughs> as someone who's reported on VR for, for very many years, both, you know, both of us have done this. Uh, yeah. Have you ever been frustrated by a scenario where someone has made you go to an event physically when they could have just given you an app to install back at home. Oh, absolutely. In fact, what frustrates me now, I mean, I've been very closed off during the pandemic, but, you know, I thought there was something that was being proved, uh, proven about the power of virtual and there's a need to get back to things. But also, I feel like everybody just stopped. Everybody stopped the progress <laughs> that, of the experimentation and then dropped everything. And I thought like, wait a second, what about hybrid? What about, especially not even whether you feel safe to go place, but just access, you know, you know, being able to go to Sundance or being able to do 
uh, travel someplace else or attend an event, um, you know, it, it, it's, it is frustrating because I feel like we're, we're here. We've got the tech for this. Yeah. So people are loving uh, hardware is the one exception, right? Where you kind of, you know, either someone needs to bring it to your door or you need to go to an office and see it. And Apple Vision Pro being one of the, the rare exceptions, but you really need to be dragged out of your house and it put on your head. Uh, you are one of a handful of people in the world to have been given this uh, early green light access to Apple Vision Pro for an extended period of time. Um, I, I, it was an experience for me to go to Apple headquarters for the first time last year and do and see that keynote, see the structure. I described it on this show. I was literally seeing a, a physical structure in the real world built by the money earned from iPhone, right? And you, it's like, now we're going to launch the next version of this at this major event. I want you to paint a picture. What was it like to actually get your hands on this review unit? What did you have to go through to get, uh, to get your hands on this review unit? Well, we, we went out to... There we go. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I met, I, I did a number of demos of this and then um, went to Apple Park and, and went one more time out there, which sort of felt like a, an Apple event without the event. And then, um, and then it got shipped out to me. So, you know, so the pieces of that all felt like what, what happens in the course of other reviews, just without the event. But it's interesting because Apple... Um, you know, the, the, the style of, of their events are, are very, um, I don't know how to describe this, but like when it, when I went to HoloLens, when I saw HoloLens 2, when I went to Magic Leap, um, when I went to go to Meta's reality research labs, you kind of get tours behind the scenes a little bit, or you're a little more, um, in the headquarters that doesn't happen quite so much with, with Apple. Um, so that, that is different, but the, you know, then when I started using it and thinking about it, there were so many echoes of so many different things over the years that show up in this that, that you do see in a lot of things. There's definitely a part that's HoloLens 2. There's definitely a part that's like Vario XR3. I haven't tried XR4. Um, there's definitely meta. I mean, there's definitely meta. Um, like a much more advanced version. And... Um, and those those kind of all echo together. And then it's like the synthesis of that was what I was thinking about. And then which parts did I still expect to see that that still aren't there? Yeah, I, I want to talk about the parts that aren't there and talk to me about, uh, I think our audience uh, is going to be built for wanting to know about games and uh, what games were like. What games did you play and how far away from Beat Saber are they? So, like I said in the video, too, in the review, if you're looking for this as a game system, just go get something else. You know, this is, they're so not at the point of having this be a games platform. Um, there are a few games, really very few. And ones that I saw on there were things like, um, you know, uh, Synth Riders. You know, that's a, that's a VR game. That was on there as part of Arcade. And it was, um, it was fine. The thing about it is, while it looked visually nice, I missed the haptics. And so for me, not having the haptics, you know, not having the controllers, especially if you're doing something rhythm-based, that's, uh, that's tough. And then the other thing that I feel like 
actually, I just, I, I think you walked away. Well, I don't know if you did walk away, but I'm going to keep, I'll keep talking. Um, it might be my tracking in here. Are you back or did you, you're still sitting there, right? I'm back. I'm back. I had to run into the other room to get a battery pack. And that's what we're going to talk about here in a second here. Because uh, <laughs> no, I'm at 9% like just... after an hour and 15 minutes of broadcasting here. And I've got four different USB cords on my desk, three of which aren't long enough to drag out to my quest. But I do have battery packs that are ready to go. Oh to my bring God. me back You're to reminding the edge. Me Bring to me back get... into VR here. I need to get my USB charger and just kind of uh, <laughs> make sure it's connected too, because I feel like it could it could go out. But I'm, hopefully, I'm good. But the um, what, yeah, what I left I left you in front of an audience you can't see. I'm so sorry, Scott. I absolutely that was so funny. No, I, I, that that's happened before. That actually happened with um. Oh my God! It was in All Space VR. I think it was um Jesse Damiani. It was like years ago. I was on his show. Oh my and gosh! He, he blinked out, and then I just. <laughs> was like i'm just gonna keep talking <laughs> to the audience I, I got back as quickly as i could i ran into the other room got the battery pack i'm back here i'm at nine percent let's see if it starts going up or down because if it starts going up no, that means so i've funny. got the right usb cord to keep us going here today i'm used to people walking away from me it's fine i've got kids they they, they just um they haven't even <laughs> seen like actually i asked my oldest kid i was like do you want to see the vision pro and he was like no i'm good and <laughs> <laughs> it's he plays quest 2 all the time and i was like he's like no i'm fine i'm like you sure do you want to like see he's like i'm fine um that's oh, a kid that's, like that's i awesome. cannot yeah, convince fantastic. my kid well no i've got the same all right so i've got this situation all right um let's so one of the things i loved about your review is you clearly you clearly reviewed it from the perspective of a family man a person who's trying to understand how this computing device fits into your life and yeah. uh you've got many years in this uh field reviewing technology assessing technology seeing how it does that to you how it changes your life and you you painted a picture of what this is going to do at thirty five hundred dollars for these people that can afford that and what it might be able to do with software updates like you did a really really great job um I've got my own journey in technology. I've recapped it a couple of times in this show. And it's funny, Scott, I wanted to meet you up in New York, like meet up with you in New York. I'm a new resident of New York. You're a New York. You, you live in this area. And we've been wanting to meet up physically. And the subway systems in New York are the best in the world, right? Like, no, not the best in the world, Japan. But they're amazing. Okay. Um, and we're still not going to go jump on those subways and go see each other in New York. It's just well, the first time we're meeting each other is here in VR. And that says something about the power of this technology. Yeah. FaceTime calls. How important were FaceTime calls in your life? And uh, have you do they play an important role? And what was it like to have one inside of this headset? Yeah, this is the part that I found the most jarring. And I think a lot of people did. So, you know, Persona. This whole thing of scanning yourself and you and I, like we, you know, we've seen like codec avatars. So like we were, we were on that trip together and like, um, that meta has, um, like a phone scan codec avatar that I think is, I think pretty similar to what Apple's doing. And, but, but Apple got there first with this. They're definitely trying to get past the cartoon, but then you have to go through the uncanny Valley to get there and they're in the uncanny Valley. And so, and so it's interesting because I had test calls where I saw people talk to me uh, from Apple using their personas. And if you don't know somebody 
at first it's jarring and then you kind of get used to it. And then I feel like I'm sort of like, okay, this is kind of the person. And I think it's interesting because it's, well, I'll get back to this in a moment. The FaceTime with someone I knew was very jarring and they were like, oh my God. And I, I tried with my wife and she thought it was like airbrushed weird Scott and she was really weirded out by it. But then I would want to still do a FaceTime with my regular face. But then I also like, you knowing this landscape, you know, people say, why do you want to do that? But it's that if you're doing something immersive and then you want to connect, not being able to share your face with video, what's the next best thing? Then I can understand that. I think I, what I want to see and I didn't see where the persona is materializing in the world with you um, to do things interactively. I think the window in some ways was more jarring because, you know, I, I think like it's a trying to be like, a, like I'm, oh, I'm just a regular person in this Zoom. And I think that if you're uh, appearing more as an avatar, it would seem more like an upscaled avatar. And I, so I think it's, it's a challenge. I mean, and also you can't make phone calls in the headset. It's only FaceTime. Um, so I, mm. it is pretty important, but I think that they haven't quite solved. It's, it's the beta part. It's, it's labeled as a beta. They're definitely they're acknowledging they're working on it. And I would imagine as the tech keeps improving for the, for the ability to scan these, hopefully they'll make gains with it. It's, it's not, it's not bad, but it's not great. You know, it's, it's, um, is, is how I felt about persona. Yeah. So good news. My battery is upticking. So I'm at 11% now. That's, 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 uh, we're, we're going in the right direction here. Hopefully you don't pop out. Uh, yeah. it looks like David has pulled down something to show in the background here of you trying this out. Um, oh, awesome. and we're seeing a lot of the eyesight here, right? Yes. Um, talk to me about whether eyesight is, is, you know, I, it, the words, I felt the words that you wrote about this in your review. It felt oh, you. awkward, weird. Um, and it felt unfinished, but I, I, I need you to describe the feeling of like interacting with your family with this, this, these fake eyes. Yeah. I love that. I can, wa we can watch the video and talk about this. It's so cool. Um, so I, I think I was really surprised the first time and other people were surprised about the type of display this is. It's a very odd display. It's a lenticular display. It's kind of dim. It's lower res, and it looks sort of 3D. You know, it looks like it's um, projected below the display. So when people see it, they don't really know what to make of it. Um, there's a little bit of an uncanniness just to that, and it's very hard to photograph. Like, it's like a rare Pokemon. Like, you just getting an angle for this to work, it gets washed out. It's hard to video. Um, maybe that's, I don't know if it's power saving or just the design of it, but the way it works is to show your eyes, you know, obviously, when you're in the headset. A lot of the video, by the way, just as an FYI, it's pulsing white. And I, I think I, I don't know if it got cut out of the video, but I said in the review, I hope, that that's when it was recording in headset. That's that's mm -hmm. a um, to show that it's recording, doing in-headset capture. It doesn't do that normally. And so that kind of didn't show the actual experience, but sometimes you see my eyes there. It, it looks odd. And it's it's still those persona eyes. It's uncanny eyes. And... Is it better than not having eyes at all is the question. Um, I think that it definitely shows you're there if you want to talk to somebody. Like at one point, my son tapped me on the shoulder one night. I think I had this in the review, asked me if I was asleep. And um, at least the persona thing, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm conscious. I'm here. But I guess you could talk too. Um, it, clearly, they're trying to get to glasses. And 
this so, doesn't look like what you'd expect it to look like. So it doesn't really true look at that being said the second time i tried this with my wife i, I again she's kind of like my 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 acid test for like normal life where she has low tolerance for this and i just said like what do you think of this now i expected she'd say it was terrible and she looked at it and she said eh, it's not bad it's okay you know and i thought maybe because it's a giant vr headset or a, or a vr headset that she didn't find that to be the most unusual thing about me sitting in the living room so I think mm. it's it's an idea. I think the, the idea of showing presence is interesting. It's very, even five or six or seven days in, like six days this has been for the review. I, I think um, it's too early for me to even tell how so useful I, that is. Yeah, I asked you this question, um, sort of just curious, but it, it said that uh, you, you could skip the persona setup. You, you mentioned this in your review, that you could skip the persona setup at the launch. Can you not do a FaceTime call as your Animoji? Can you only do it as Persona? Yeah. So right now, I, your audio dropped out for me a tiny bit, but I could hear your question. The um, You can only do it as your Persona. This is a one uh, avatar system, basically. You know, you are scanning the Persona for your ID. It's locked to yours in that somebody else who goes on your headset cannot use the persona they'd have to use optic id or password i guess but um it's and there's no other way to create anything and the only customizable thing i saw were the glasses which was funny because you know then you open up this question of why can't you customize any more of it if it's trying to be photo real sure but then you can't scan your glasses and then they had 20 pairs of you know smoky gray glass colored glasses which were not quite like my glasses and that was also weird you know I, mm. I feel like that they need to have more options or they need to somehow scan the glasses in and i also don't know what other if somebody else has something iconic about the way that they present themselves mm. i didn't try scanning with other things or hats or anything else or other hair this is the big question you know what how supportive is it of that how diverse yeah. is it um it's it's surprising so we're we're appearing in the upload vr studios right now custom built by my colleague david heaney who's outside uh switching the cameras manually um in some cases sometimes it auto switches uh but he's switching the cameras between uh us and we were able to affect this interview really really quickly just with the power of virtuality technology, we were able to send you an invite to the channel for this, get you in. And the number of people that know how to do what you did to get into the studio is not high, right? Like it's, it's, I've, I've talked to CEOs of companies who were unable to follow the steps you were able to step follow <laughs> to get into this studio, uh, with us. Right. And, um, it's it's silly that it was that it was that effortless for you but that hard for someone else and that's the yeah. fit that's the reality of of virtual reality technology these days yeah how much did apple show you that they're serious when it comes to improving the software experience of getting into a headset i think they're serious about it and the one thing that i think is very interesting about apple is their incremental um, intensity is what I would call it. You know, it's like not to be underestimated. If they're really going to follow this through 
every other product I've seen of theirs, the, the, you're like, well, where's this, pro- where's this feature? And it's frustrating. But then each year is another step and each year is another step and each year is another step. And it keeps going. You can, you can get like, you know, when is an iPad going to become a Mac? I'll, I'll be driven crazy by this, but, but they do incrementally move. And so I think that with something like communication, what they've set up with SharePlay, what they've set up with um, a lot of their interconnected technologies, I think that they have an ability to really do something with this if they keep incrementally moving. So I think mm. I think it's really key because I think, um, you know, that's like the whole metaverse fantasy is the uh, collaboration and the cross platform here we're t- mostly talking about apple's platform but there will be some cross app things whenever i mean microsoft is in it now i would expect that google will at some point do this and be involved yeah so but i think that's key yeah yeah so we've been at some of the same events we've gotten some of the same demos and we've seen technology at the same time and and that demo that we were both at with with meta was a pretty key one we both saw to recap that, uh, I guess, late 2022 codec yeah. avatars. And we saw uh, Meta show two versions of codec avatars, I think, at that demo. One where it was scanned from a cell phone. And then the second one was scanned in their serious installation that I, it, the socioptican, I think is what they call it, but it's a very large rig of cameras in order to scan a person. And I we talked with a researcher live. Uh, across the continent, right? They were distant, there was low latency, and their facial animations were across the uncanny valley for me. They were, I felt like I was talking to a human. Now, there were big caveats to that with the display we were looking at, right? Like it was a limited number of pixels on that display, um, but it was still across the uncanny valley. I saw personas for a few seconds back at my demo last year, and I felt like a little uncomfortable just from that few few seconds, having done and seen that earlier, that Kodak Avatars demo. Um, and now here we are where Apple's actually shipping these, these things uh, in kind of an unfinished beta form. They, they're actually putting the beta label on a really core feature to the future. Um, and we know that Meta is obsessed and been working towards this technology for a really long time. I guess just as someone who's watched this for a really long time, how important do you see the Kodak avatars versus personas battle? And what can people maybe watching us do to wrap their heads around the meaning of, of making spatial calls in that way? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really big... Um question in battle to get to that telepresence and it's coming from a couple of different directions that Kodak, that Kodak avatar that we tried that high-end one I agree it really felt like crossing over and it also even felt like a if anything it reminded me of almost like stepping into a living like Unreal Engine 5 like almost like an amazing PS5 cutscene that became real and then I was like it's so real that the only thing I, I could have equated it to was like some magical it, it it was like um it was really cool and i'm not being very lucid about that but the um the thing that comes to mind when it, you were bringing this up that i think is really interesting and this is where i feel like it's going to be fascinating to see what apple does is that they also make camera technology and this is where i wonder if they're really serious about it what advances they make with like iphone cameras and things like that 
Because if these become an integral part of some connected space, unlike Meta, Apple has the ability, I think, to really get there fast with high-end cameras that could do these scans. And then, you know, like spatial video, I'm seeing your coverage about it too. I mean, it's, I'm saying it's, it's 3D video. And, you know, the thought is, well, could it ever be volumetric or could they be like have the quality of the immersive video demos that they're showing? And maybe that's the goal at some point. I'd be really I'm just really I, I can't speculate really, but I'd be curious to see how much they evolve the camera technology as well to make that happen. Whereas I think Meta will have to do a scan from a from an iPhone or an Android phone and then mm. they won't have that control unless they put the high-end camera on the headset. So I think that's an interesting part that Apple does have control over. Yeah, well, I also think about the footprint of the Apple stores, right? If you really wanted like a, like you could technically get extra accessories or fit things, uh, yeah. all, all the things you need about your headset fixed at the local store. I noticed the Apple Care plan on this headset is the cost of a Quest uh, so you could go and get a quest as a backup if you really wanted. Uh, and I noticed you're also uh, a big user of Supernatural these days. Can you talk about your your, your Supernatural journey and how often you're using it? Because it's funny, like you just got this Apple Vision Pro review out, and then I saw you tweet you were going for your <laughs> Supernatural workout. So let's talk about your Supernatural journey here first. I went. I just, uh, Rainier is my favorite coach. He just kicks my butt, and um, I love his energy. It, it, it like, so it all started for me. I covered Supernatural when it came out, but it was like a little too much for me. And then, um, you know, unfortunately in October, right after I reviewed the Quest 3, I had, um, I've been having high blood pressure and it got really, really bad. And I had this um, bloating pain one night. By the way, if you have a bloating pain and you have really high blood pressure, go go to the ER. Um, so that was what my doctor just said, go. And I had... Um, Luckily, it wasn't worse, but I had some arterial damage, which terrified me. And um, the, the, the cut short, basically, I needed to really worry about getting healthier. And um, a lot of people have been on these journeys in the past, including one of my colleagues, um, Russell Holly, who's with CNET, has been big on the VR landscape for years. And I just thought, I've done this before, I should do it again. And then like it, one of then like a, uh, a mom in, in my town said to me, you might hear my kid in the background. My mom and a mom in my town said, well, do you ever use Supernatural? And I was like, well, yeah, I cover VR. I know about Supernatural. But I didn't know that she bought it. And that kind of blew me away because it showed how widespread VR is in ways that we don't appreciate. It made me realize, like, people talk about, oh, VR is not a thing. And then I look, well, my, my kids are playing VR. Their friends have VR. Um, th some family members have VR. Um, a lot of people have quests sitting around. There's a lot of people who have VR, and I think it's it's really dismissed. So that kind of encouraged me to get back in, and now I'm doing it like 20 minutes, um, five days a week, and um, plus with that collectively about 10,000 steps, and um, yeah, losing weight. So yeah, it's been, so I mean, I it's great. So I've talked to Leanne Pedante, um, the head of fitness there. So you know, one of the coaches that you're you're going face to face with a lot in there. Yeah. Um and it was funny to talk to her about this journey of like whether she thinks she herself thinks virtual fitness is going to become a bigger market than actually going to the physical gym. And the it just feels like this great on ramp to virtual reality. The reason I asked the fitness question is from is because of a comment uh, that I saw here asking yeah. you 
whether you see yourself using Apple Vision Pro daily. And that's why I wanted to come to fitness because it seems like you're pretty close to daily on yeah. uh, the fitness journey. So do you see Apple Vision Pro doing anything else for you daily? That's a really good question. And, and you know, at this point, you know, as we know with like novelty of tech, it's, it's, it's too early to see how we're going to drop out of the novelty. And it's still pretty, it's a really novel device. But I found myself getting sucked into it a lot over the past week. I think for me, it was like the one, it was like the one more thing, looking at one more thing, looking at like, you know, one more video, one more movie bit, especially the cinema stuff, which I, again, some people may have better TVs in their home. Like I don't actually don't have a big OLED TV, but, um, this is like that nice home theater setup that I never had. So it's really like a, a, a treat to be able to play with this for a bit. And, and I would just, I would say that stuff is fun. The thing, the question is so much of Apple vision pro is about this kind of multitasking app lifestyle. And I haven't seen that many truly immersive individual apps yet. And I hope that there are going to be some, but I don't know which players and how the interface will work. But in these, in these individual apps that pop up, it really becomes the computer mode. And then I really wanted this to be this. I mean, this is my answer to using it every day. I really want this to be my everyday computer. I've, I've worked a little bit using the Quest as a monitor, um, you know, for my Mac. And it's fun. And it, the monitor is surprisingly okay. And, but then I'll forget to use it. And then with the Vision Pro, right now the Mac was dropping out of connection, which I said in the review, which they said they're going to address, but that's an issue right now. That's, that's not good. And the eye and hand tracking were a little weird in their precision, uh, for me in, 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 and the way it worked with peripherals, I found that the, somewhere between the trackpad and keyboard and the eye and the hand tracking, something was, it was going a little bit weird. People have worked with quests probably it, not quite like the quest, but its own weirdness. And so that got in the way of saying, well, I, I won't use it every day, maybe as a computer, I go back to my laptop and that will throw me out. Whereas like the reason I use a quest every day is for fitness. And right now Apple doesn't have any real fitness plans with this headset. Um, I, they didn't, they didn't suggest that it's a hard no. And there's, um, there's already a few meditation apps. There's, there's, um, um, what they're called, um, uh, synth riders, which is promising for motion. But and I would imagine this, places. I saw puzzling places was mentioned too as well, right? Yeah, and I play with puzzling places, which was fun. But the the hand tracking interface was weird. Uh, I'll get that in a moment. One of the things I found with that, but the fitness thing, I think the battery dragging the battery around, um, putting it in your pocket, maybe safety concerns for them, the weight of the headset. Apple seems like it would be an obvious slam dunk to do fitness, but um, I'm going to use the Quest for that, and so that that. The answer is I'm not sure um, about daily stuff with Vision Pro. And I need to see more apps. They're, they're really just yeah. a handful right now. So, well, and it's not just a handful. I, this was actually the most interesting bit on your review. And I, I don't have, I didn't take notes. I didn't copy this out here, um, what you exactly said. But you talked about some of the apps not being occluded in space correctly or by by people, right? Can you talk about the occlusion um, of some of the apps that you ran or, or what you felt like viewing some of these things in your environment. It, it, yeah. Can, how immersive or interactive did these apps feel with your environment or what were the, the limits of that? Yes. Yeah, so what I was surprised by 
There are some things that are surprisingly instant about the mixed reality and room recognition and some things that don't seem to go far enough. If you've used, a, obviously, Quest and others, a room setup is is the, the standard. You know, are you sitting or standing? What are your dimensions? And the Vision Pro doesn't do any of that, which is surprising. It just, just it's just on. And, and they didn't go into details about what's going on. I really want to know more specifics about how often it's pinging with the LiDAR and what's going on. But it's supposed to be taking a real-time assessment of the room. And it never seemed to be bothered. So if I stood up, I sat down, um, everything seemed to be fine. If I got near furniture or things like that, it would say you're getting too close to this object, please step away. So it clearly had some a little bit of awareness detection. But what's weird is that a lot of the structure of this for better and for worse just kind of floats apps in space regardless of your environment so that the monitors just kind of float around or float through walls or whatever the reason i say better is because if you're in a limited work environment or even on a plane which i haven't tried this thing doesn't you know doesn't require you to have like a perfect setup you could just kind of invent it or float it but i don't know how your eyes resolve the depth you know you may want to turn the reality dial but the thing is that um, the I really expected dial. more like room that recognition. Is that, that's not its official name, right? But I, I think no, not you know, digital crown. No, digital it's crown. the reality dial. You re- just but renamed it, it officially to Apple. We're going to send that to Apple PR later today. It's the reality <laughs> dial, right? But I think that you know, Meta has already shown a few things like this, especially um, uh, first encounters where you know you, you and, and and in the days of Magic Leap, where you kind of scan the room and things will come out of the walls or hololens recognize a table hide behind a table and i didn't really see anything doing that and then i thought is it that the software is not ready for that yet or is it that the apps haven't emerged for it so i was curious you know what it means is like you said um people will walk through stuff um any app you throw up will be will block out the other person but your hands are always um overlaid on top of everything else like green like a kind of a green screen fuzzy um cutout that was cool because it it created it almost looked like an avatar but it created a real sense of um interaction space so you didn't have to guess where your hands were but also you could check your watch apple clearly knew that the watch would be worn because you, unlike a phone, you actually could check messages and do things on that anytime you were in any app. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I expected more out of the blend. You know, yeah. I, I, I wanted to play with that more. I appreciate this. This is very nuanced. That What you've done, what you did in your review was very nuanced. And it's a very hard task, what you've done. So, like, I just want to give kudos this I'll, I'll read all the other reviews, but so far yours is my favorite review. So of the me reviewing oh, okay. the reviewers here, um, but it's hard to to get the nuance here of um, what you're describing is an active computer vision system that is helping you in ways that Meta's computer vision system is only barely touching on right now in its own sort of user interface, and you're pointing out the limits of the computer vision system, the certain things that like it can cut out in certain apps and not in other scenarios. And it, it's not, it's not perfect yet. It doesn't seem like it's, it's doing everything we needed to do, even though it's doing a lot more than the quest is out of the box. Is that a fair way of 
describing it? I think so. I think so. And I think I'm really curious, you know, it's such an odd timing for this release because it's, you know, this is winter release and WWDC is really not that far away. And I would think that WWDC would be full of new developments for this headset. And I I would want to see what else they can discuss and get under the hood on because in a way, the last WWDC did not get under the hood. It was... It was just understanding the general concepts, but it was like, what else can you do with this thing? And I hope, uh, and it also gets down to not only for the apps, but even Apple's own app selection is only like half migrated over. You know, like I was saying in the review, like, you know, Keynote's on here, which I don't use much, but like GarageBand, which you would think you play musical instruments, um, is not in Vision Pro. Uh, Mm. iMovie, some of these creative apps um, are not here. And How? maps, like no no 3D maps. You know, you can't open like a, a globe or anything. Two, uh, um, people are really uh, praising you for your work over the years. A lot of people, big fans uh, in our comments of your work. And thank oh, you so thank much you. for joining us today again. Uh, it really means a lot that you were able to pop in here. And it is a big testament to the the quality of Meta's ecosystem, I suppose, uh, that you were able to pull this off that quickly. Um, yeah. That, that you know, like there's, as much as we harp on the problems of these technologies left and right, the limitations and the fact that you just reviewed this headset that's $3,500 with uncanny eyeballs and uncanny avatars, but it's still potentially going to be uh, a daily driver for some people, I would think, uh, based on your assessment, uh, even if some people um, are are not going to see that value, or most people, vast majority of people, right, are not going to see that value. Um, the The last few things I wanted to, like, uh, get into, uh, what do you think they could remove in a cheaper device? How do, you, how do they bring the price down from here into something... Uh, that we could actually recommend uh, to people more broadly? That's a good question. I know for, I, I, I lost a little bit of the audio, got a little fuzzy, but I could basically hear what you said about the um, the audio, like what they, what they could remove to bring the price down. I mean, for sure, the eyesight display. I think that you could have an indicator rather than a display. You know, like maybe there's something really clever they could do about, you know, a thing that could just, animate maybe just google it whatever it is you know something that just blinks that doesn't have to literally be your eyes um i'm sure that adds to a lot of it um if they were comfortable doing that maybe that's so key to apple on the road to glasses that that's that's a line not to be crossed so i i think you know i wonder about my son called this like a phone for your face which i'm sure people will think but i'm sure apple does not I'm not going to guess, but I would imagine they don't want to want you to feel that way, that that you're putting something on that is blocking everything. So I would say get rid of the display on the outside. I would I wonder if they can similar to, um, you know, can can they do a display that's almost as good as this, but not quite as expensive because kind of like their liquid retina. But then I I would hate to lose some of this, but Apple does have really awfully good displays that are LCD. so. Maybe there's something there. Um, the other thing I wonder is about the construction, if they can just kind of um, hopefully over time make this and also just bring down the weight of it. Um, I also hope they do something about the battery. Like right now, it's a very proprietary. 
We didn't even talk about this. There's a very proprietary battery cable for this, which I thought that's really annoying. But I think it's also because it's it locks in, and I would imagine, you know, if you if you if that unplugs, you have no power at all. So unlike a Quest, where if the USB comes out, you have battery, you'd lose everything you're doing. So I think the idea is that they just absolutely didn't want this to to jiggle or come out no matter what. But it also means you have this hardwired battery that's very specialized. I hope that they can make inroads to make that less awkward so that you could use your own batteries or plug in things or make that process simpler the next time around because it's, it's, it's really odd. Um, and I guess necessary. So, I mean, those are the big things I would think of, but, um, you know, can all, can the chips also, so they're making, I'm really curious how what it cost them in terms of the M2 versus the iPhone chips, but you know, they're so bullish about like the making these, phone chips that have a lot of processing power too, that maybe they can move to a next generation iPhone chip for one that by that point will be less bulky or something. Mm, that's a really interesting idea. I love that analysis. And uh, it's it's good to hear from one of the people who, who Apple uh, chose to review this, that the eyesight camera could be dropped or, or the eyesight display could be dropped. Like it's not a, doesn't seem like it's a meaningful uh addition here and it's it's kind it sounds like it's a it's interesting uh and we can both greet it as extremely interesting but not necessary to the experience at least in its current iteration would be the the way i I think we're probably going to end up having to talk about it to people um there was there's so many things that I think this lays the groundwork for the future, but I, I want to go back to that demo that you and I got in 2022, where uh, I don't know if you were standing there with me when I asked Michael Abrash about whether we're going to have both AR glasses and VR headsets in the future. Yes. But I, I put yep. him on the spot. I've got my phone video out there, and he says um, that in the future, he believes we'll have both lines of devices. You'll have a VR headset that it's able to use all of the devices around it in a home sort of environment for for added functionality. So uh, your computer, your uh, your storage, uh, local storage, all of those things can be brought to bear by a VR headset that has it's bulkier and it doesn't have to survive all day out in the real world. And then you've got something like AR glasses, which you wear out in the real world, have to be socially acceptable, weigh very, very small uh, amounts, and it has to use so little power that it produces very little heat in all of that little space. These companies that we're talking about, Apple and Meta, are spending tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars to try to realize both of these product lines. And in reading the reviews today, I felt like there was a lot of confusion about people not understanding what the pathway is from here to there. Uh, I saw people confusing and not understanding that optical AR is so hard and on a completely different path than the opaque optics in the VR headset you just reviewed, the VR headset that Apple refuses to call a VR headset, right? Um, And... There's the Verge review talking about mixed reality and augmented reality. And then I read your review that um, boiled this down really, really, really well for uh, the audience out there and understanding what these things do and what they don't do. 
what uh, you're running around uh, with the Ray-Ban glasses as well, are, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they are a picture of the future from a different direction. They are this other path to AR glasses that will eventually have a display in them. What is really confusing, I think a lot of people out there, and it's going to confuse people in the days to come as they go into Apple stores and actually try this headset out, is I believe we're going to get successive generations of this design, this opaque display with pass-through views of your environment, with um, hand tracking that's better, with displays that are better, with um, field of view that gets even better from here, better sensing, better all the other things that you said could be improved in the next generation. But all of it on the same technical path that is being followed by both Meta and Apple towards uh, personal computers that you wear on your face. Uh, as VR headsets. That's a completely parallel path to what is happening with optical AR. And we don't know. I mean, me as, as a close watcher of this technology, correct me if I'm wrong here, we have no idea when we will see a mass market compelling optical AR glasses device that stands on its own. It could be the 2030s, could be the 2040s. We have no, no, it could be later this decade if one of these companies pushes it through, but I don't think that's likely. I think it's on that much larger time span because optical AR has such hard problems to solve. But what I'm seeing, what I'm wondering if you can just close out here before, and I'll see if there's any comments here from our audience, uh, questions uh, to ask you. But as we close out here, how strongly do you feel in the future of VR headsets as personal computers, despite what your kid said. Yeah. And he's a gamer, so he doesn't use it as a computer. Um, the I do believe in it. I had moments using this headset that I thought, well, you know, what if this just swallows up all of my virtual things? Or what if my computer is just uh, kind of just a puck? You know, it's like the you know, it's like a little deck and then um, everything wirelessly interfaces with it through the headset. But like, that's about it. And I like that idea as long as it was seamless with the accessories and um, and the interface. So, yeah, I agree. Like the next thing I, I'm, I'm way overdue in doing is uh, writing about life with the meta glasses. That's my my next thing. Because I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah, it's a it's a big task, right? Do you it's our our audience is laughing at me because I it's a I'm a broken record talking about them because they're so interesting. There's such a glimpse of the future. But also, like, I take all those videos and I have no idea where I'm supposed to put them. They don't feel like they belong on any social network as it currently exists. Um, and I've been trying the early, I've been lucky to get the, you know, the early access for the um, generative AI. And it's a very interesting, it's all, it's admittedly a total experiment. Like it's not even a, a, a public beta at this point, but it's like, uh, it's amazing. And what am I going to use it for? And then, but, it, but I think, you know, like humane rabbit, like all these things that are going to be aiming to assist with that. I do believe in that as a computer. I also think this is like the path. I like pointing up to the display. I think this is the path to um, to the true immersion that people are are already seeing and dreaming about. And then I think about 
um, I think Apple and Meta are on are a very similar paths where it's like mentally, like I feel like Apple making this a spatial computer only confirms the Abrash flaw. Like I kept thinking of Abrash when I did that. It was like, yeah, this is the, he said VR is like a computer. Apple's calling it a computer. Yes, this is all part of that thing. And then Qualcomm making these phone connected um, glasses and, and pushing in that zone feels like the feeling out of that territory that, you know, we're seeing Xreal and others um, exploring and sometimes they feel very repetitive, but other times they make strides. And then I think what's interesting is like the, I'm really interested in the neurotech phase because where Meta is going, I remember I asked Mark Zuckerberg this at a sa- the same visit and I said like, do you think there'll be an on-ramp to the neural input where we'll have things in, on the way that we'll start getting us used to that. And I think he said something like, I don't understand the question. But, you know, Apple has <laughs> double tap. And this is what I meant to, what I was suggesting yep. was yep. that Apple has double tap on the watch. There's gestural stuff coming to the watch. I feel like Apple is beginning, will start slowly building uh, a gestural language, getting towards an eventual neural input type experience without technically having neural input but then maybe they will and and then meta i want to see them do the same it's like you don't have to have that to have the beginnings of that and so i think it's like ar it's like ar kit and and google's ar core it's like you know start playing around with these ideas because the gestures apple's gestures you know as a close i would say i think this eye tracking stuff was fascinating but it became very clear that it's very good at particular things. It Exactly what Apple shows, the pinch, the drag, the zoom, these little mouse-like things are its best thing. But if you're trying to do more than that, if you're trying to do like kind of what Mark Zuckerberg was saying about these more nuanced gestures, trying to grab things in space, I, I felt it was falling flat a lot. And I said, well, app developers be able to do more. Does it even do that yet? And um, the more in depth you get with this and the more things you fold in i want it all you know and then i'm like yeah. I'm, I'm i'm ready to move beyond just tapping and clicking but it may also be that apple doesn't want to overwhelm people so there's also that they, they want it to be comforting and it's they're diving in all at once um so it's 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 a million questions but input is like <laughs> the is the real thing that i'm i want to see evolved yeah yeah I appreciate again. I appreciate your time here today. I'm. It's it's really meaningful that you joined us today. And I I know as someone who's been in technology for as long as you have, you know what it's like to have a product launch at this magnitude. It's it's no small moment to have a company uh, this invested in the space pull the trigger on this big of a product. And we're talking about the next generations of these things, right? Uh, there was reporting out there that. Uh, meta pulled the plug on a watch at the last minute and may have moved that effort down the line a couple of generations and i think this is kind of the reason why right they if they can't do what we need it to do for vr or ar then what is really the point of them entering that market at this point and yeah, yeah and like seeing, that typing which you can't do yeah. on the apple headset you can only do that like one finger or you put a keyboard on you really need that you know it's, one, it's yeah one of my one of my proudest things was in that same interview or that same session was with we're with Thomas Reardon, who's the head of Control Labs. That's the tech that Meta bought to do the neural sensing on Meta's 
thing. And they're saying, we've got a five-year timeline. We've got very interesting, good results towards a product, even though they don't want to talk about a product. And then Bosworth, Andrew Bosworth, in that interview says, Reardon can replace his keyboard with the neural input. And it kind of like, you can't, like, that's, that is big talk, right? Like, that's, those are big words from a tech leader defending his technology and saying, but these are people who often put their money where their mouth is. And if the leader of your tech division is able to type on a keyboard faster than he can type on a physical keyboard, that is a powerful demonstration of the technology that they're, uh, like only giving us glimpses of, and we're, we know we're still, we know that they're still investing in this tremendously. I saw one question here, and I'll try to bring up maybe one or two more here. We, I want to let Scott go, and uh, thank you again for our, uh, for you joining us. I want to say uh, also to everyone out there, please like, share the link out to others. We're going to go and timestamp this as quickly as we can with all the major subjects because we have covered a lot of bases very quickly with you. Um, the question was asking um, about... Oh, where is it? Darn it, I lost it. And you don't have the comments over there yet, no. darn it. That's a cool interview. Darn it, Heaney. We're getting all the features for you here. We need the waiting room. It's just uh, we had to go. We had to go write our article about your review first. So that's why we don't have the feature oh, yet cool. in our studio. Um, I couldn't find it here. I think people no, are trying good. to understand the the question was about your usage of it and just how it fits into your life. Um, yeah. And I guess I'm wondering. Like, I guess I'll, so I'm going to leave this, I'll leave on this story, right? This is the thing I wanted to share with you earlier in the show. Um, my kid was born, my oldest kid was born in 2010 and, okay. uh, my dad could not make it to the birth of my kid. And so what I encouraged my mom to do was go out and buy an iPod touch with FaceTime on it, uh, because it was the no contract way for him to have a video call with us with a video chat he could turn on by simply sliding his finger across the screen. Like it was the simplest way to help a no tech individual uh, get into a video call. And so 2010, I was able to bring my dad into the, the recovery room uh, and see my kid for the first time, even though they couldn't physically make that trip with me. And it was, it this is how I think of technology is I, I base it against the markers in my life of how it's affected various interactions and ways of getting things done. And I think about this coming weekend and having an Apple Vision Pro at my disposal and whether I would be embarrassed to make a phone call using these persona avatars to another person. That's that's my final question for you here today, Scott. How do you feel about that situation? I agree with you. I would feel a bit embarrassed about it, too, if it was something. Why not use a camera? You know, I think that, the, to me, the, the, the use of persona would be when you can't otherwise use anything else. You know, I think it's, and this is where I think the Vision Pro hasn't proved itself yet, to me, in the collab, I've not even really used collaborative things. But it goes back to that, if I need to be working in something immersive and collaborative, then I'm going to use that FaceTime because it's almost more of a work thing. 
But if I'm connecting with a family member, unless I'm taking them through like a virtual world together, you know, unless I'm like, you know, then then if you think about it, if I'm taking my mom through a magical, she's, she somehow has one of these headsets and I'm taking her through this world and we can at least have those personas, then I think that's cool. But I think any other time I get an incoming call from my mom, you know, use the camera, you know, to go mm-hmm. take this off and use the phone. So that's, you know, that's how I feel about it is it's, it's a stand in. Um, but in service of like so much on the vision pro was like floating a bunch of displays, but I want to see the next, like here we are in a virtual studio. I want to see things like this, you know, that are, um, you know, that, that you have to use persona. Like, what would it be like if we're having two personas here having a conversation? Would that be, would that be better or would it be more alienating? Yeah. And, and, you're going right to the very core of our show, what we do here, right? We've weathered the people in our audience who pop into our show and go, what the hell is this? Why are the me's talking right now? Are these AI generated? All completely valid uh, questions to ask when greeted by these weird cartoonish avatars. But in right. fact, because of the Uncanny Valley, even going more realistic has a lot of pitfalls to consider that Apple and Meta are grappling with in the future of their their companies. Um, and yeah, yeah we're, we're going to be on this journey together. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, big, big day to have Apple Vision Pro reviews out there in the wild. Um, yeah, thank you so to much to our commenters for sticking with us on this gigantic journey. Uh, I... You know, we've got a big week ahead of us as these devices start getting out there into the wild. Scott is absolutely right. The journey is not finished here. It is only just beginning when it comes to the story of what is good, what is bad, what people actually use Apple Vision Pro for, uh, right? The Apple Store, the App Store is going to open when these devices start arriving. And that's when the really, really interesting things start hitting the internet. So I want to say thank you to David Heaney for his incredible work getting that roundabout there. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining us today. It means a huge amount for you to join us. Get these review impressions in front of our audience, even though Apple did not bless us with a pre-release unit. Um, I can't wait. We to were still thoughts. able to get yeah. this in front of us all, from our front of our audience. Thank you to you. Um, anything else you want to close out on before we say bye? No, that's it. I apologize for this absurd avatar. You know, <laughs> I didn't realize what I look like. I threw this no, together at one point. I don't look our like audience, this at all. As soon, as soon as you joined, our audience was on it. They loved it. That's the best avatar I think uh, anyone has ever joined us with. So thank you so that's much. That's fantastic. It's my we'll fun see you in the future. <laughs>